everyone, and welcome to No Planet B, a podcast where we're talking about climate change and its effects on planet A. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Brianna. This week, we're doing a little bit of a different format. Um, Changing it up. Yeah, switch up. And um, we're going to be mostly talking about the trash economy and how it's kind of affecting the environment and politics. Um, so one one interesting place that I thought we could start is um, an article that I looked at today from National Geographic saying, uh, shipping plastic waste to poor countries just got harder. On May 10th, more than 180 nations agreed in Geneva to add mixed plastic scrap to the Basel Convention, the treaty that controls the international movement of hazardous waste. Uh, under the amended treaty, exporters must first obtain consent from the governments of receiving nations before shipping the most contaminated, mixed, or unrecyclable plastic waste. Are, are some countries selling garbage to other countries? Is that kind of what's going on? Yeah, so like certain more developed countries pay developing countries to take their waste. So that's what's happening in these cases, or what previously happened. Yeah, it says pollution from plastic waste, acknowledged as a major environmental problem of global concern, has reached epidemic proportions with an estimated 100 million tons of plastic now found in oceans. Ooh. Oops. I mean, have you heard about, you've heard about like the Pacific Garbage Patch. I've heard a little bit about it. It's literally like an island of trash. So anyone want a honeymoon there? Hit me up. Hit um, me up. <laughs> <laughs> who needs hawaii where, right do we like, know where the the trash from that comes from like it's so like there are currents in the ocean that naturally bring the plastic together it's kind of like a oh the gyres yeah so like just currents in the ocean like push all that plastic into one like big mound and it's like a floating island of trash god damn it's really sexy um <laughs> <laughs> so that's yeah that's a huge problem what would a what would, a, a pile of Oh my god! Just a, a pile of imagine an island made of all the plastic shit you've thrown away. Yeah. Just like a bunch of yogurt containers and salsa. Yeah. For me personally, mm-hmm. maybe some uh, jars of pasta sauce, all just chilling in one little island. Ugh. Yeah. So those. How are, is there more than one island of garbage? Um. So, I think there's multiple patches. We we just watched a little video uh, from the ocean cleanup. Yeah, okay, it's it's Boyan Slat, a Dutch inventor, entrepreneur, and aerospace engineering student dropout who's the CEO of the Ocean Cleanup. Do you ever watch those videos of like, oh, anyone can do like a science experiment because mm-hmm. here's this kid that like developed this ocean cleaning device and he was like 18. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. That's Buck Wild and he started when he was 18. Do we know more about Trash Island? Do you know more about Trash Island that you want to tell share? Okay, so like a huge issue with the garbage patch most people just think of it as like the big garbage, ca- garbage patch is my favorite uh kids candy yeah it's my, is my favorite sour candy. garbage patch kids yeah. um garbage <laughs> anyway patch kids. and we found the name of the episode <laughs> Woo! um so most people are just like oh that's disgusting there's literally like plastic bags just like floating in the ocean well the scary part is isn't it of the microplastics like oh. that the fish consume and it's just becoming like a part of the food chain now. So that's like the scary part is that the plastics can become so small and are so small that it's literally being consumed by like animals. Yeah. And we eat those animals. So it's like, you know, so we're getting them back in. We're literally like eating our waste. It's disgusting. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, That is really nasty. So yeah, that's, 
That's the Garbage Patch Kids. We're the Garbage Patch Kids. We are we are the Garbage Patch Kids right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like they are they're they're determining the size and sort of exactly the scale of the Garbage Patch by using sensors on a repurposed army plane, um, and how they're going to go about cleaning it mm-hmm. seems like it's going to be a lot of. Uh, what I'm interested in is like once they like get all this plastic out of the water, what are they going to do, with, do, it? do like, with it? Like, what do you do with it? Right? Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if it's like going to be salvageable to recycle. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Hopefully, they can figure out a good way to deal with that. Yeah. So the ocean, the ocean cleanup is using something. It's like a passive system. So it's it's going to be a floater that's being propelled by wind and the current to flow with it and to pick up trash like on its way to wherever it naturally goes. Okay. Which is actually kind of sick because it's autonomous, it's energy neutral, and it's scalable. I do love that. That's great that it's like, you know, zero emission. Zero emissions, baby. It's all wind and uh, mercy of the tide. Um, yeah, it says that they could clean up 50% of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in five years. How much Fifty uh, percent in five years. Jeez. That's too. Those. That's too clean of a number. Fifty yeah. percent to I'm estimate a, that. I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> I'm a little. It's a little sus. But I do love. That's so optimistic and that's so cool that all that is going on. Yeah, I mean, what did I do at eighteen? Graduate what, high school. <laughs> graduate high school. Drank yeah. a lot of Snapple. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was contributing a lot of plastic for sure. Still, I am exploratory major. Exploratory major, jumping to college, <laughs> not having any idea what to do, sort of ending up ending up here. Meanwhile, somewhere. man's is clean in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Boyan Slat. I know I'm saying that wrong, and I'm so sorry to everyone. But sorry to Boyan. Sorry, Boyan. Um, I'm sure there's a buoyancy joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's really nice. I'm sure there's one in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to take the time to sort of fish it out, but. Ah. Oh no! <laughs> he added on to it. <laughs> oh. Obviously, like the most proactive thing to do would be, hey, like stop using so much plastic. But I don't think yeah. that like people aren't gonna like get on board with that. So yeah, like how? What are we gonna do with it? So I think the fact that we're going to have trouble shipping it. That means we're going to have to start seeing more and more landfills and like waste management plants in communities where in the past they got away with saying, Hey, I don't want this in my backyard. But the fact that if we can't send it to, you know, less developed countries as Mm. much, we're going to be seeing it more in our backyard. So maybe that will like spur people to like wake up and say, Hey, like, yeah, there's a positive, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's a negative and a positive. It's like, Oh, that's like oh it's in my backyard now shit what am i gonna do like yeah. you know what i'm saying like you yeah. can't just like out of sight out of mind it anymore so that's a very yeah, good like, point that's it's scary but yeah is it a good or bad thing i don't know so these these the other countries we, so america was making a bunch of plastic waste mm-hmm. do you know how still much? is still is yeah, yeah um so according to the u.s environmental protection agency um in 2015 the total generation of municipal solid waste was 262.4 million tons. Um, So that includes paper, cardboard, plastic, um, yeah, e-waste, stuff like that. So that's how much waste we're generating. And it's crazy how much over the years our 
like how much waste we're creating per person has increased. Mm. Um, in in nineteen sixty, you know, back when grandpa was like kicking it or your dad was born, whatever, um, two dad, point Yeah, dad was <laughs> Dad was being created. Dad was maybe ten years old for me. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I think my dad was like I don't know when my dad was born. We don't need to talk about how old our dads are. <laughs> are you self-conscious about that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, my good old dad was a little kid. Um, 2.68 yeah. pounds of waste per day was the average for people in the U.S. And in 2015, um, back when I was 18 doing nothing, um, yeah. <laughs> this number had increased to 4.48 pounds of waste per person per day. So... Du- a lot. That's du- double. Like, over double, yeah. yeah. So like... Uh, not over double, but close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. So we're taking all this garbage and other countries are buying it. So like we're sending it to developing countries by incentivizing them to. We'll be like, hey, we'll pay you. And a lot of times that's, you know, a really good deal for them because that's a source of income. So we'll send them our trash. Right. And we pay them but in the meantime these countries don't have as advanced waste generation like management systems we're basically just like giving it to people who don't have the means to handle it safely and effectively and they just are basically getting the short end of the stick and they just happen to be like minority vulnerable populations half the time so um So there's a whole economy. There's a whole trash economy. So, like, the U.S. isn't the only country that does this. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of, like, developed countries. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and oftentimes it'll literally be, like, multiple countries sending their shipments, like, at the same time. So, um, like, a really sad example I had written about. Let me see. Yeah. While you're pulling that up. Uh, this National Geographic article does say plastic waste shipments became an issue last year. 2018 after china the world's biggest importer of plastic scrap stopped buying non-industrial plastic scrap upending a 200 billion global recycling industry yeah damn uh 200 billion dollar global recycling industry uh as a result of that countries like thailand malaysia vietnam indonesia were overwhelmed with shipments of waste that they did not have the capacity to handle so so the uk it looks like European nations and the U.S. are all looking for, like, new buyers since China is sort of dropping out. Yeah. China's like, see ya. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So, like, what I was saying earlier, like, a crazy example was um, – so, in Poland, there was this, like, vulnerable region um, known as – Katowice, I think I'm saying that right. Um, so there had been a supposed medical charity shipment from Europe, Australia, and the U.S. So it was like, hey, we're sending you guys like medical supplies that are like, you know, for like humanitarian aid. And turns out that it was literally a shipment of hospital waste and expired medications. Oh so, yeah, it's like a lot of the – yeah, it's just that's a really sad example of like how yeah. – I mean, there are most cases they know like they're receiving waste, but like that was one of the cases where it's like, "Hey, we're about to send you some aid." Yeah, hey, the three of us are going to send. We thought we'd get you this gift, uh, mm-hmm. Poland. We thought you could use it. Here you go. We thought you could use some dirty old needles. We got some <laughs> dirty old needles for you. So, with 
the new amendment to the basil convention not basil like the herb not the herb to be confused um (laughs) v-a-s-e-l convention yeah Mm um okay countries now have the right to know about and refuse plastic exported to their countries to Mm -hmm. their shores definitely yeah everyone on twitter is talking about how quote unquote this is cnn more than 180 countries not including the u.s agreed to restrict global plastic waste trade so a lot of this is um good news in that these countries are going to be more are going to be less in the dark about what's coming to them and how they can say no to these things yeah and the u.s has said no the U the U S has no no <laughs> nope the the U S is saying uh, this is the National Geographic article saying that the U S observers because we're not a part of the Basel Convention I think we were uh, we had like representatives that were just kind of there um, saying that the the voluntary measures would be better than binding measures which I feel like isn't true historically. So binding measures are probably necessary. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't trust anyone to go with good judgment. I don't yeah. <laughs> I mean, personally. <laughs> I mean, how do we end up with a floating patch of garbage? We ended up, we have a floating patch of garbage. Literally and so now we need binding. Garbage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now we have to have binding measures when it comes to this kind of stuff. This hazardous waste. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's overall a lot of good news, but then the U.S. is just like, nah, I you know I don't want to be forced to do this. I'd rather volunteer to do this. It's like, oh, yeesh. yeah. Did you though? Have you been volunteering to do this? And a part just of that is like I said before, sources. like we, like Americans are, we as compared garbage. as compared to like developing nations, we're more apt to say, hey, I don't want this going on. Like they yeah. speak to their representatives. So this, like, I can understand that from our current, you know, situation with the administration saying, hey, like, I don't think this is a good idea. People now know what's up. Like, we're sending them, like, our trash and they're not going to be cool with it. So that sucks for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're sending them our Cabbage Patch Kids wrappers. Yeah. Like, I can, I can see why, like, politicians would be like, hey, like, no, that's not a good idea. People are in the know now. Like, now I can't be corrupt and, like monetize trash you know how am i gonna be corrupt if everyone gets to know about the shit that i'm sending yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so um do you want to hop to twitter to do garbage stuff or do you want to do you have more garbage oh the twitterverse do you want to go on the twitterverse real quick that's one of my favorite places to go the twitter train the twitter train yeah let's go let's dive in or do you have some some stuff you want to bring up that relates to that anything um it's just, it, I mean, just to throw some numbers out there. Just throw up some numbers out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's all we do like, here. our population is over 7.7 billion people. Um, on Earth? Yeah. Dumb question. Yeah, that's okay. nuts. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. On Earth and <laughs> Asgard or whatever. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, and 4 billion of this, like, the, this total are in urban areas. And obviously, urban areas have more trash. Four billion of the seven point seven are yeah, in areas. Yeah, um, that's nuts. So it's <laughs> it's just crazy because yeah, no, we're not like farmers anymore, nomads. Yeah. Um, tell that to whoever want, keeps wanting to do daylight savings. Daylight savings, am I right? I think you're right. 
<laughs> so so basically um i guess the point i'm trying to get across is like yeah it's so easy for us to just say like just not even think about our trash economy because it doesn't affect us but it's affecting yeah my trash economy is i chug a jar of salsa with corn chips i throw it in the recycling and, and yeah truck man comes by once a week bye bye salsa goodbye salsa we head back and buy some more salsa. That's and then we head back, like, buy it, and we do it again. So it's not really an economy for us, but it's it's wild to think that for some folks it is. Uh, yeah, this is like some people's livelihoods. Like people live by these waste management plants that affects their health. People that work there who are literally just working there to survive that yeah. affects their health. Um, and it's affecting our environment. So it's just like these aren't just numbers at the end of the day. I mean, it really yeah. is real, even though so many of us, myself included, like get to turn a blind eye to it because we are in a developed country where our waste management is pretty well regulated so that's kind of my thoughts on it yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. garbage recycle god damn it (laughs) okay thank you i'm gonna make that my text tone (laughs) um yeah so i'm on twitter right now and we're looking at uh at, at global citizen um has a tweet that says uh, Kate Shortman and Isabel Thorpe are synchronized swimmers from Britain, and at the World Championship, they performed a routine where the pool was littered with plastic garbage. Oh, shit. They performed their routine in a pool covered in plastic bottles and garbage and floating stuff. Ew. Which is just like the trash compactor scene from Star Wars is what I'm looking at, but like obviously less dirty because it's a pool. I mean, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> um, it's from UK students challenged these swimmers to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. They were challenged by some students and said, let's go swim in garbage. And yeah. So what happened? Like, were they just like, that was gross? Like, did they? I, <laughs> I think mean, I think it's just like. Just promotional. Art like at art. this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, it, it's a statement. Life imitates art. Life imitates art, and then art imitates life, right? Yeah. It's sort of cycle. But let's sort of, not it sort of recycles itself. Let's not romanticize litter, guys. It's not a. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now this news. Now this is talking about a rubbish cafe. Oh, sick! It's a a pop up cafe <laughs> that lets people pay for food. With their plastic waste. Oh. It rewarded them with a free meal and coffee. Now, what I'm was looking... Was this on Shark Tank? This... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have... I'd like to give you 10% of my company for uh, no money because I'll... For 100,000 bottles. I'm looking for 100,000... Here's the joke. I'm looking for 100,000 <laughs> bottles in return for my... For 10% of equity in my this rubbish cafe and kevin o'leary says where's the money and they say it's just garbage kevin it's just trash it's just trash <laughs> can i put your name down i can mean i I'd, I'd give it a yes i you give in. it a yes i go in on it on a hundred thousand bottles i think so yeah yeah but yeah so this is saying it's giving people food and a drink where is this cafe? Is it in Portland? <laughs> it sounds like a Portland-ass thing. Definitely does. Oh, it's in London. 
Oh. Okay, so that's two for that's two for the UK. Yeah, there you go. That's two. The swimming one and that were both from the UK. That was this was in twenty eighteen. Here's another one from the UK. And I just can't believe it. They're doing I mean this is this is this is like a cursory little search on Twitter, so this this by no means represents all efforts around the world, but um <laughs> Yeah, so this one's talking about uh, public water fountains. This is from the World Economic Forum, talking about public water fountains as a solution to uh, plastic bottles. The fountains are saving an equivalent of 155,000 single-use plastic bottles in a year. Nice. Just by having public water fountains? Just by having 100 drinking fountains across the city in London. In stations, shopping streets, tourist sites, and parks. Hell yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Weird how that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> I do love that. Yeah, we, we actually have those at um at FSU on campus where you can fill your bottle up mm-hmm. and it says like, there's like a little digital number that displays yeah, how yeah. many bottles they've saved by having people refill their own. Yeah, I have that at and, my work. Oh, cool. do you really? And like, I think a lot of gyms have that. Yeah. I don't know. And I love that number because it's like, we today we've saved, we've kept, you know, it's like 419 bottles from being thrown away. And then you fill yours up and it's like, today we've saved 420 bottles from being thrown out. And you're like, nice. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, honestly, like, I really just personally don't understand buying bottled water because like, it's like you're you're saving money by just getting like a filter and like yeah. using a, you know, I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. Yeah. What do I know? I'm I not, I'm not buoyant. <laughs> Boyan? Oh, hold yeah, on. Boyan. Shit, what's his name? <laughs> Boyan Slat. Yeah, I'm not him. I'm, um, I'm so sorry. I hate pronouncing people's names wrong. But... So what do I know? <laughs> 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 yeah, buying bottled water, I don't know. I, I know my mom does it. I, and I just want to be like, why? Like, I just, you know? Yeah. Like, people are like, I don't know, it tastes better. And, and we live in, <laughs> like, we live in the... Florida, which has a, a, a was arguably one of the best states for drinking water with yeah. our aquifer yeah. here. Like... It's weird to me that people buy bottled water. Uh, oh, another one. Let's see where this is. This one that cannot. There's no way we have four stories from London. There's just no way. But this one is um, edible seaweed pods. So it's, um. yep, this is the London Marathon. God damn it. God damn it, London. <laughs> They're doing such a good job. Is this like the edible water bottles? Yes. Oh, that's it's sick. The edible. You, so you're running the London Marathon. It's foggy outside. You go for your London Marathon run, and they hand you this little, like, looks like a Tide Pod, actually. Almost exactly. It looks like a little orange Tide Pod. And so it's like something like Gatorade or something that you just pop it in your mouth. So instead of having a plastic bottle, you just chew on that, and that's your drink. And they wanted to save because I guess marathons are a pretty big source of uh, plastic waste. Because if you're drinking like a Gatorade or you have like a cup, oh yeah, no, absolutely, you know? absolutely. So that saves on a lot of plastic. So, um, so you wanted to bring some garbage to the table and talk about garbage. Um, so this week there's a an article that's this is unrelated, but I still kind of want to talk about it because it's relevant to climate change. This is one. Actually, that was inspired by one of our guests, uh, uh, David Fulch, who was talking to us about uh, city planning. Big Dave. Big Dave, yeah. (laughs) And uh, city responses and stuff to climate change. Um, This is an article. uh, This is a a research paper by Ryan Garnett and Matthew Adams. um, And this is in Toronto talking about how 
Um, there, there are three aspects to it, and they're all related to LIDAR, which uh, it stands for Light Detecting and Ranging. It's remote sensing that can give you elevation information, and it can be used for building level analysis and analysis of large geographical areas. In this study, um, the the three they they talk about lidar and how it's it's not an expensive technology to do remote sensing and to tell elevations of uh, large areas. And so they they bought some lidar data and did a scan of Toronto. The city of Toronto's planning report in 2016 was talking about how climate change was going to affect downtown Toronto, that being flooding and power outages and uh, these high-rise buildings that they have, um, losing water supply, power interruptions, and elevators going down. Um, And the city of Toronto is preparing for population growth, which will in, in turn kind of have a large requirement for more energy. So what these folks did is they used this LIDAR data to give a more detailed map of Toronto and this sort of hydrological system of like of of street water flooding. Mm-hmm. So that when climate change comes and sea level rises and, and there's more storm events, um, more spring snow melt, um, you know, there's gonna be more flooding in the streets. So these these LIDAR maps could help with a with a one meter resolution could cheaply give the city a, a better idea of where these streets are going to flood and sort of how to respond to those. And one, one interesting idea that they do bring up is the idea of sensors being placed in the stormwater system where they can, they could tell in real time where flooding was happening. So like, think about you check your phone, you look at an app and you can real time tell where, like where water levels are within the city. But what if you don't want, the emf radiation to kill you from your phone the what the em the electromagnetic frequency you're talking about just phone what if (laughs) what if what if i'm off the grid wyatt what if i forgot you're off the grid what if i don't believe in phones because they give you (sighs) cancer i mean and to that i would say (laughs) i don't know anything about that (laughs) if you want to be off the grid then yeah no go for it I guess Brianna, you're not listening Brianna, to this if you want to be off the grid. <laughs> if you're off the grid, you're you're already you've already Ron Swanson yourself into a cabin eating only bacon. But and, um, um maybe maybe uh vegan bacon, maybe. Why vegan bacon? Because you're off the grid? <laughs> Does that mean you're also You're vegan? right, I don't know how you would, <laughs> would How you would also, you access that? You're right. Would you also be vegan? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but so the the main point of this is they used LIDAR for three things. One of them was um, flood modeling to a a one meter resolution. So LIDAR provided a good solution for that. Another one, how they're talking about their populations are going to increase and they're going to need more energy. And with climate change, uh, uh, solar is going to be hopefully a big player in reducing um, carbon emissions and stuff. They use the same LIDAR data to detect where... Um, through slope and through openness um, where the the best parts of the city are to put up solar panels. The entire city of Toronto is now a map where they detect the, they use the, on this map, they have a return on investment. So like where the best places in Toronto are to, to put up solar panels. And then the third one was emergency response planning with, with climate change coming and with um, urban development still going on in Toronto. They use this LIDAR, to do building elevations 
and then use those those the buildings that are 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 taller um with climate change coming with increased storm intensity they are talking about these buildings maybe running out of power elevator access being sort of hindered mm-hmm. um how close are these buildings to emergency response and how can we prioritize these taller buildings um in emergency response scenarios tall boys these tall boys yeah and if nothing else that this is an idea of a smart city where at least the data is can be effective did we do listener questions no no we didn't do listener questions we didn't have any for this because it's just us i i have a listener question as a listener if yeah or from a listener no from me like I'm listening to you talk to me. Um, <laughs> so okay. you were talking about um, solar panels. I'm Hell just yeah. I'm just wondering, do they need sunscreen? Do solar panels need sunscreen now? So that's interesting because I know. Do you? Do I think they do? Oh, I I thought you were the expert. That's why. I asked. No, I think I think sunscreen would as not a as a not a PV expert, a photovoltaic expert, and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, I would just basically say that it couldn't hurt. You know, couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt to keep your solar panels safe, right? But make sure you're using sunscreen that you know is good for the environment. I think the SPF would have to be the SPF would probably have to line up with the angle of. The solar panels. So, like, if your panel is at like fifteen degrees, right, right, SPF fifteen. That, that makes sense. You I, know? I think. I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, yeah, totally. That has to. <laughs> that has to <laughs> physics it has to make sense. Uh, how do we use the eggs of this? That was a sick episode. That was a sick episode of No Planet B. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. It means so much. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram. Uh, we are no planet B FSU. And if you want to follow us on Twitter to see all of our sources and all of our tweets to Steve Malloy, it is uh, no planet B cast. If we had a Tinder, we hope you would swipe right on us. We could get a Tinder going for no planet B. We could get a Tinder going. Mm-hmm. I don't see any problem with that. Let us know if you want that guys. We'll, we'll deliver. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, have a great have a great night, uh, Rebecca. If you're listening. If you're listening. All right. See y'all on the internet.